KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. KMTT, the Torah podcast. Today is Tuesday. Shur in Parshat HaShavua. Shur Parshat HaShavua will be given this week as usual by Harav Hanoch Waxman. This week, Parshat Toldot, I'd like to talk about Parakafav of Sefer Breshit. Um, Parakafav can be thought of more or less as the only parak in the Torah that describes the life of Yitzchak. While Yitzchak is, of course, prominently featured in the previous parak, Parakafhei, it is really primarily about the birth of uh, Yaakov and Esav, and to some extent they are the major characters in the previous chapter. Likewise, um, while Yitzchak is prominently featured in the following Prochim, Kavsayin and Kavchet, those chapters are primarily the story of um, Yaakov's uh, taking of the brachot from Esav. And again, Yaakov and Esav and perhaps Rivka might be thought of as the central characters. And if so, um, Parak Kafav is really the only chapter in the Torah that is about the life of Yitzchak per se. Now, one of the things that is interesting that we will see as we move along in the Shi'ur is that um, the life of Yitzchak is not just about the life of Yitzchak per se, but it's also about the similarities and perhaps some of the differences between the life of Yitzchak and the life of Abraham, and this is something that we will elaborate upon as we move along. Uh, I would like to begin with a well-known problem or issue in, in Perak Kavav, the story of uh, Yitzchak's uh, sojourn, Yitzchak's stay in the land of Gerar. I'm going to pick it up in Parak Kavav, Pasuk Vav, where the Torah tells us as follows. Vayeshev Yitzchak begror, and Yitzchak dwelt in Gerar. Vayishalu ansheha makom ishto. And the men of the place asked regarding his wife, Vayomer achotihi. And he said, oh, she's my sister. Kiarei lemor ishti. Because he was afraid to say that uh, she was his wife. Penyaharguni anshe hamakom al rifka. He was afraid that the men of the place would kill him. Uh, and take Rivka, Kitovat Marehe, because she was very pretty. Pasukhet, Vayi, Kiachu, Lav Shamhayamim, etc., etc. Now, even at first glance, the story is uh, inherently uh, familiar to us. Um, if, we, if we think about it, we can identify, kind of pluck out almost from, from the very start, um, some crucial elements. First of all, uh, Yitzchak is located in a foreign place. The story begins, Vayish of Yitzchak, Bigor. And uh, later on in the story, you find out that that foreign place has, has a king, Pasukhet, which I'd begun to read a moment ago. And he dwelt there a long time, or quite a while already. And uh, Avimelech, the king of the Plishtim, the king of that place, obviously, looked through the window. And he noticed Yitzchak being intimate. But the point being is the foreign place um, Gerar has a king, Abimelech, who features prominently in the story. So one element is the foreign place and king. Now a second element, and, and the one which of course begins to um, uh, stir us, or stir our intuitions about something familiar here, is the element of achotihi. Um, Yitzchak claims regarding his wife, vayomer achotihi, is the term used, or the phrase used by the text. He says regarding his wife that she is his sister. Secondly, this is a, a wife-sister story. 
Now, of course, that brings us to the third crucial element of the story, which is Yitzchak's motivation in claiming that his wife is, in fact, his sister. Well, we're told rather explicitly in the text, he is afraid for his life. And why is he afraid for his life? Because Rivka is very attractive. So the third familiar element of the story is the um, fear for the life of the husband because of the beauty of the wife, etc. And we might note a fourth familiar element of the story is that there is in the end a kind of confrontation or discussion with the local king about what has happened. Um, if we take a look in Pasuk Tet, um, in the continuation of the story here in Parak Kafav, Ve'ikra Avimelech Yitzchak, uh, and Avimelech called Yitzchak, Ve'yomer, and he said, Ach, hine behold, this is your wife. Ve'ech amarta achotihi, and why did you say um, that she was your sister? Ve'yomer, I love Yitzchak, ki amarti pen amut aleha. Yitzchak says, oh, I was concerned that I would die, or I would be killed uh, because of her. So the fourth, and again, familiar element of the story is the conversation or the confrontation between the local king and um, the visitor, in this case Yitzchak, regarding the claim of Achoti, regarding the wife's sister. So to put it together, there are really, I think, four clear and obvious elements of the story. One, the foreign place king. Two, the fact that this is a wife-sister and Achotihi story. Three, the fear for death by the sojourner in the place, in this case Yitzchak. And four, of course, the conversation, the confrontation with the local king about what has happened. Now, when I say the story is familiar, I'm in fact referring to two different prakim in the Torah, two different other wife-sister stories that we have in Sefer Breshit. We could go um, all the way back to chapter 12, to Perak Yudbet, the story of Avram's descent to Egypt, um, when, of course, because of Sarah's great beauty, he claims that Sarah is his sister, the first wife-sister in the story, and compare them. But I think for our purposes, it is more pertinent to go only back to Perakaf, to chapter 20, and to compare the second wife-sister story uh, that we have in the instance of Abraham, the one that I think very closely parallels um, the wife-sister story here in Perakaf, the one in the instance of Yitzchak, and very much so because we are dealing with um, almost the exact same people. In that sense, um, the uh, Avimelech and Grar again. Let us go back to uh, Perek Kaf, Pasuk Aleph, uh, where uh, the second wife-sister story uh, that occurs to Abraham is reported. And we're told there in Perek Kaf, Pasuk Aleph, Ve'isam isham Abraham bigrar. So we have Abraham in a foreign land, and this is, of course, the exact same place that we're going to uh, find in Perek Kaf. It is Grar. And if we go on to Perek Kaf, Pasuk Bet, he said, that, well, he said, that, regarding Sarah's wife, that it's his sister. So, counting our elements, we have here, so far, uh, one, we have Abraham in a foreign land, uh, involved with a, that is ruled by a foreign king. And in this case, it's exactly like the story later on in Perak Kafav. It's the same foreign land and the, so to speak, uh, same name for the king. It's Gror and Avimelech uh, here previously in Parakaf. The second element, well, this is also an Achotihi story. Avram says regarding his wife, Avram al Achotihi. So there are second elements to wife-sister story. And as we move along in the story here in Parakaf, of course, we will find the third and the fourth elements. Jumping down 
in Perakaf uh, to Perakaf Pasuk Tet. The Torah there tells us um, as follows. Vayikra Avimelech Avraham, and Avimelech called to Avraham, Vayomer lo, and he said to him, Ma'asitalan, what have we done to you? Umechatatilach, and what, have, what is our sin to you? Kiheveta alayva amamachti chata'o gedola ma'asim asher lo yasu asitamidi. In short, Avimelech says, well, why did you do this? Um, you said your wife was your sister, and then she was mistakenly taken. This was not a good thing. Here is the conversation or the confrontation between the foreign king and the visitor, in this case, Abraham, what we previously identified as um, the, uh, the, third, the fourth element. And um, if we go on the text, Why did you do this? What did you see? Pasukit Aleph, verse 11, Abraham responds, I saw there was no fear of God in this place. So here, in the conversation between Avram and Avimelech, Avram reveals, the guest, the visitor reveals his motivation. I was afraid of death. I was afraid of being killed. So we put it all together. We have the exact same four elements in the two wife-sister stories. The one that happened to Avram and the one that happened to Yitzchak. We have, of course... Uh, the visitor, either Avram or Yitzchak, in the foreign land, in both of these cases, grow Avimelech. We have second, the fact that this is an achoti, my wife is my sister story. We have third, the motivating factor of the fear of death, so to speak. And fourth, of course, the element of the confrontation, the conversation between the foreign king and the visitor, whether Avram or Yitzchak. Now, um, despite the very striking similarities uh, between the two stories, um, it is worthwhile to note one, one crucial and, and very important difference between them, and that is that the outcome in the two stories is, is fundamentally different. Uh, and I think this is crucial. If we take a look in Perkaf uh, Pasuk Bet, um, the Torah tells us as follows Ve'yom Avraham el Sarah ishto achotihi, Vaishlach Avimelech Melech Grova Yikachat Sarah. What happens in a standard wife-sister story, what happened back in Mitzrayim, and what happens here in Perakaf when Avraham comes to grow to the land of Avimelech, is that the, the wife is taken, uh, the woman is taken. In other words, the fear is justified, um, she is desirable, and the local people uh, take um, uh, the wife, thinking that she's the sister, and they would have taken her anyway. And there's some sort of real issue here that lay behind uh, the entire story. The fear was justified, and the woman is taken. In contrast, if we take a look in Parakavav, we have something very interesting in the, in the text, in a verse that we read uh, before. Um, after uh, Yitzchak and Rivka come to Gror, and Yitzchak says regarding Rivka that, uh, oh, she's my sister, Pasuk Chet says as follows, Vayi ki lo sham hayamim, and the days extended, the days were long, or the days passed. Avimelech looked through the window, and then he calls in Yitzchak and he confronts him. The confrontation between Avimelech and Yitzchak takes place not because uh, the wife has been taken by the local people, but precisely in light of the fact that she was never taken by the local people. Many, many days have passed. In contrast to the story of, of Egypt uh, in Parakid Bed in chapter 12, or the first time around in Gor, um, the wife is not taken here in Parakid 
And I think what we should realize is that Avimelech Gerar is not the same person place as the first time around that Avraham had been there. Um, after that previous conversation between Avraham and Avimelech, um, where Avimelech said to Avraham, Mara ita kesita devar, I said, what did you see? And Avraham responded in Parakaf Pasukit Aleph, I saw there was no fear of God. Well, Avimelech, so to speak, does tshuva. Avimelech gives back Sarah. Avimelech gives him gifts. And he says to him, There is some sort of transformation in the culture of Gror and Avimelech. And the next time around, um, when Yitzchak comes to Gror in Perkavav in chapter 26, um, the woman is not taken. Meaning, it's not so clear that there was a justified fear here. And it's not really so clear um, why Yitzchak does exactly what he does. Um, in other words, uh, to put this all together, we kind of have, and we have a kind of eerie parallel between the story of the first time around in Gerar when Avraham came there in Perakaf, and the second time around in Gerar when Yitzchak comes there in Perakafav. And unlike the first time around, it's not exactly clear in Perakafav that there's a real need for the ruse, uh, a real practical need, a real fear, a real need for the ruse of saying that one's wife is one's sister to protect one's life. And if so, the question becomes, why is it that Yitzchak engages in this kind of behavior? Um, to put this slightly differently, what exactly does this tell us about the motivation or the character or the psychology of Yitzchak that he emulates and engages in the exact same kind of behavior that we saw his father Abraham engage in the previous time around uh, in Gerar. Um, or if we want to kind of prefer a literary formulation of the question as opposed to a, a psychological uh, or character, character formulation of the question, I think the question is, what's going on here that in the chapter of the Torah that is the story of the life of Yitzchak, we see that the life of Yitzchak kind of repeats um, the life of Abraham in a certain way. Uh, Yitzchak comes to the exact same place, he engages in the exact same kind of ruse, and we have the same kind of wife-sister story as we had in the case of Abraham. Now, I think this second formulation of the issue uh, as an issue of repetition uh, in the life of Yitzchak, of the life of Avraham, is, is a crucial formulation of the problem of the story of Yitzchak's sojourn in Gerar, because it leads to uh, an understanding um, of the rest of the parak, the rest of Perkavav. It allows us, so to speak, to put some of the other things that happen in Perkavav into their proper place. Um, so what I'd like to point out is that in, this, in Gerar, or the story of Gerar is not the only time we see repetition in the life of Yitzchak in Perkavav. Let's move along in the text and of Perkavav, and this will become a little bit uh, clearer. The, the remainder of chapter 26, after uh, the wife-sister uh, part of the chapter, um, the remainder of Yitzchak's sojourn in Gerar, the land of the Plishtim, primarily can be thought of as a story of well-digging, as a story of a struggle uh, with the plishtim, of a story of success that Yitzchak has agriculturally uh, in being able to reap a harvest um, 
and to plant wells. But uh, along the way, there are some interesting aspects of the text which lead to some additional parallels uh, to the life of Abraham. Um, the most well-known uh, and obvious is found in Perkavav uh, Pasuk Yudchet. It's part of the story of the digging of the wells. The Torah tells us there, Vayashav Yitzchak Vayachbar et Be'erot Hamayim. And Yitzchak went and um, dug the wells, Ashachafu Bimei Avraham Aviv, that had been uh, dug in the days of Avraham, his father, by his father, and the Plishtim had sealed them up after the death of Avram. And he called them by the names that his father had called them. So Yitzchak goes and digs the exact same wells that Avraham had dug, and he calls them by the exact same names. And we have here another kind of parallel between Yitzchak and Avram. Yitzchak does the same thing. We have another kind of emulation. Um, the same as in the wife-sister story, we have parallel and emulation. So to here in digging the wells. In the continuation of the chapter, we have parallel and emulation. And in fact, this is only part of a larger piece. There's a third and very interesting parallel that the text creates between the life of Yitzchak and uh, the life of, of Avraham. If we look at the entire story uh, of, the, uh, of the well digging uh, that takes up the remainder of Parak Kavav, I think there are a few salient points that, that really uh, jump out at us. Take a look um, in Parak Yutet. If we take a look at Parak pardon me, pardon me, if we take a look at Parak Yutet, um, immediately following the verse we just read a moment ago, the Torah tells us as follows. And they found a, a, a well or a spring of, of uh, flowing water. And the shepherds of Gerar fought with the shepherds of Yitzchak and said, oh, the water belongs to us, um, etc. And then in the next verse, he dug another well, and they fought about that as well. So there's this struggle over wells or property rights between the side of Yitzchak and the locals, the side of Gerar, the side of Avimelech. Now, as we move along, eventually, uh, the way this is resolved is that Pichol and Avimelech, or Avimelech the king and Pichol his general, arrive to discuss the issue, or so to speak, to patch things up with the side of Yitzchak. In Pasuk Kavav, we're told, Avimelech And after Avimelech and Pichol arrive, there's a negotiation. And eventually the story concludes with a proposition to make a Brit. Um, as Avimelech says in Pasuk Kavchet, let us make a, a treaty, an agreement that there will be peace between our sides. And this, of course, culminates in a shvua. Um, so, uh, to put it all uh, together, um, you have here a, a struggle uh, between the two sides regarding wells or property rights. You have here, uh, secondly, um, the arrival of uh, Avimelech and Pichol to make peace. We have, third, the idea of uh, the Brit or the Shvu'ah that happens here. And just, by the way, incidentally, the Torah tells us that this happens in a place called uh, Be'er Sheva. Um, well, strikingly, if you go back to Parakaf, the story of uh, Abraham's... Pardon me. If we go back to Parakaf Aleph, um, we have there a strikingly similar story 
which really contains all of these elements. Take a look in Perk Kaf Aleph, Pasuk Kaf Bet, the Torah tells us as follows. So we have here Avimelech and Pichol arrive to negotiate with Avraham um, because God is with Avraham and in Pasuk Kaf Gimel etc. In other words, there's a offer of making a shvua. And as Avram replies, later. And as we move along, it turns out in Pasuk Kavzayin, we have another word that's used for the Brit. So the Shuwa is a Brit. So we have, of course, two elements of our reconciliation story that we saw later on in Perkavav. In other words, one, Pichol and Avimelech, two, Shu'a Brit. And of course, if we take a look, Smack in the middle of the story here in Perkaf Aleph, in Perkaf Aleph, Pasukaf Talad, the Torah tells us as follows, Valchich Abraham et Avimelech, and Abraham reproved Avimelech, Alodot, Be'er Hamayim, regarding the well, Asher Gazlu Abdi Avimelech, that the um, servants of Avimelech had stolen. In other words, the brick and the Shvu'ah between Pichol Avimelech on the one hand and Avraham on the other hand happens on the background, on the Rekha of there having been a struggle about wells, about property rights between the side of Avimelech, Pichol, Goror, and the side of Avram. This, of course, is the third element of the story that we noted before. And finally, of course, without going into details in the text, all this happens, lo and behold, in Beersheba. The point being is that the latter part of Perk Kavav in Breshit contains yet a third parallel between the life of Yitzchak and the life of Avraham. Not just the first parallel we talked about, the wife-sister story, not just the second parallel of digging the exact same wells and calling them the exact same names, but a kind of third parallel, the story of the treaty, uh, the Britshua, between Avimelech Pichol on the one hand, and Avram Oyetzak on the other hand, which happens on the background of the struggle about the Be'er, the well, the property rights, and happens in a place called Be'er Sheva. Needless to say, this careful paralleling um, by the Torah of the life of Yitzchak to the life of Avram, this kind of echoing, requires some sort of explanation. Again, what are we supposed to learn here? What's the fundamental motif? And what does this tell us about the character, the psychology, the life of Yitzchak in some deeper way? Now, the standard answer uh, given to this problem of Yitzchak's life as repetition um, is that if Abraham represents revolution, if Abraham is a revolutionary who introduces a new religion and changes the world and creates something new, Yitzchak's life represents continuity. Uh, he is the Dorham Sheikh, the next generation, who, so to speak, concretizes and repeats and put things, puts things into, into play in the world. As continuity, it's no surprise that Yitzchak's life, so to speak, echoes, parallels, um, or repeats uh, Abraham's life. Now, I think there's something basically correct about this. Uh, what I'd like to do is to try to deepen this idea a little bit, or to perhaps unpack some additional aspects. I think the way to do this is to go back to the beginning of Parak Kafav, a place where I think we can note um, some differences, perhaps, between the life of uh, Yitzchak and the life of Abraham, some divergences, and uh, to talk a little bit about a famous Rashi, which I think relates to uh, our topic. Uh, we take a look at the text at the beginning of Perkafav. Uh, Perkafav Pasak Aleph says as follows. 
ra'av ba'aretz, and there was a famine in the land. Milvad ha'ra'av harishon hasher hayah bimei Avraham. So here the text in the very first verse of the chapter already makes the connection between Yitzchak and Avram. There was a famine in the land in addition to or like the famine that had been in the days of Avram. So here we have similarity, parallel, sameness. Now, of course, what we then expect uh, already, especially in light of what we've discussed so far today, is that Yitzchak should leave the land if there's a famine and he should go to Mitzrayim. Um, that's where he should go, to Egypt, because that's where his father went when there was a famine. If we go on in that very same verse in Pasuk Aleph, But Yitzchak does not go to Mitzrayim. Instead, he goes to Avimelech, to Plishtim, to Gerar. Now, that's a little bit in the direction of Mitzrayim, but it's, it's not Mitzrayim, it's not Egypt. Um, so we have here difference, this similarity. Well, wait a second. Let's take a look at the next verse, Pasuk Bet. Vayira, I love Hashem. And Hashem appeared to him, Vayomer, Al Tered Mitzrayimah. Don't go down to Egypt. Shechon ba'aretz asher amar elecha. Dwell in the land um, that I tell you. Gur ba'aretz azot. Dwell in this land. Now, God appears to Yitzchak and says, don't go down to Egypt. Now, why was it that uh, God needs to appear to Yitzchak and tell him um, not to go down to Egypt? Because quite obviously, Yitzchak was intending to go down to Egypt. In other words, from Yitzchak's perspective, he would have fully paralleled and emulated the exact actions of his father, um, and he would have gone not to Gror, but to Egypt, the same as Avram did when there was a Rav back in Parakut Bet. Uh, to put this a little bit differently, the wife-sister story that would have repeated here is not the wife-sister story of Gror of chapter 20, but the wife-sister story of Mitzrayim of Parakut Bet is the story that Yitzchak would have willingly repeated. But by divine fiat, we have your difference. God appears to Yitzchak and says, No, don't leave. Dwell in this land. And, of course, what's interesting here uh, is why. Why does God command Yitzchak not to leave the land, not to go to Egypt, if, after all, that's what his father had done in the time of Ra'av? So Rashi addresses this point, and there's a famous Rashi here, which is worthwhile to read. Uh, on the words, al Mitzrayim, Rashi says as follows. Um, because his intention was uh, to go to Egypt, precisely as we pointed out in the text, as his father had gone down to Egypt, um, in the days of the famine. Amarlo said to him, God said, don't go down to Egypt. Why? Because you are a perfect, unblemished, whole ola, literally meaning burnt offering. And um, the Galut, the uh, other lands, Chutz La'aretz, is not appropriate for you. Now, this is very strange. What exactly this means, that Yitzchak is an Olat Mima, a whole, unblemished, and perfect burnt offering. Well, this is, and that's the reason why he should not leave Eretz Yisrael. Uh, this is an obvious reference uh, to a particular Pasuk in the Torah. It's an obvious reference to Perak Bet, um, Pasuk Bet, where God says to Abraham, Take your beloved son that you love, Yitzchak, go to this land, to the Eretz Moriah, and take him up there as a burnt offering. And of course, eventually Yitzchak is put on the Mizbeach. Yitzchak carries the status, based upon this reference, of an Olat Mima, of having been offered up. Now, it's still unclear what this means, but what Rashi is telling us 
is that we can only understand the difference between Avraham and Yitzchak, the fact that God intervenes and tells Yitzchak not to uh, leave the land and not go, to go to Egypt in light of the story of the Akedah. It's somehow connected with something that happened at the Akedah, something that happened in Yitzchak's life or some sort of status he has because of uh, the story of the Akedah. Now Rashi is absolutely correct to point to this, although we'll have to understand Rashi a bit more deeply, because if we take a look at the continuation of the text here in Parak Kavav, and the text explicitly ties up the divine command to Yitzchak not to leave the land with the story of the Akedah. And if we take a look in Pasuk Gimel, it is very important to pay attention to the language here. Uh, God says as follows, Gor ba'aretz hazot, dwell in this land, ve'eyeh imcha, I will be with you, ve'avarchecha, and I will bless you, um, so the first thing he says uh, that God says after telling him to dwell in the land and that he will be with him is that he will bless him. This is a language of covenantal blessing. Uh, and not just one or A, uh, that, uh, he will bless, that God will bless Yitzchak, but B, to you and your children. So you're going to possess the land. This is covenantal blessing language. And then it becomes very clear in the very next line. And I will keep the oath that I swore to Avram your father. See, we have here, one, a reference to Bracha, two, a, a reference to Yitzchak and his children possessing the land, three, a reference to some sort of Shua that was made to Avraham. And as we go on, the covenantal context of the covenantal blessing language becomes even clearer. Pasuk Dalet. That's already a known element. We have here a fourth element of Ribui Zera Vibetit Zaracha. And finally, at the end of Pasuk Dalit, Vitbarachu Bizarachal Kogoya Aretz. Your seed, your descendants will be a blessing for the other nations of the world. That is a fifth famed covenantal element. Now, the question arises is what exactly is God referring to when he refers to the oath, the Shvu'ah? Um, that he took to Avram because of the Shua com- containing all these covenantal elements. Therefore, apparently, somehow, Yitzchak should not leave the land and he should stay in the land. Um, well, there's only one place and only one time where God uses the word Shua to Avraham, and lo and behold, that's in the immediate aftermath of the Akedah. Let us go back to Perak Kafbet, um, Pasuk Tetzayin. The second time the Malach speaks from the heavens, after Avram has shown willingness to sacrifice Yitzchak, and the Malach says as follows, or speaks for God and says as follows, Pasuk Tetzayin in Perak Kafbet, Vayomer, and he said, So I swear, uh, says God, or says the Malach in the name of God. So here's the Shvuah. Ki and because you did this thing, you did not hold back your son, your only one. Ki, and now here comes the repetition of the covenantal blessing as part of the Shuah. There's blessing. There's ribuizera. There's the multiplication of seed and descendants. Etc. At the end of Pasuk So to put this together logically, we have here um, quite a few of the elements we noted before. Um, we have the Shvu'ah. This is the context of the Shvu'ah. We have here, secondly, the notion of blessedness. We have here, third, the Ribu Zerah. 
we have here fourth, the the conquering of the land in the future. And fifth, in Pasuk And your descendants, God says in the oath to Abraham, will be a source of blessing for all the nations of the world. So to put this all together, because of Abraham's willingness to sacrifice Yitzchak at the Akedah, the covenantal blessings are repeated in the form of an oath, in the form of a shvu'ah, and they include blessedness, riboizera, the land being a blessing for other nations, etc., etc., etc. Now we come back to our chapter, to chapter 26, and it's astoundingly clear that the language here is a reference to the aftermath of the Akedah. And let's look at the language again. Um, it's picking up in Pasuk Gimel, in chapter 20, in Parakafah, Pasuk Gimel. Gur ba'aretz hazot, dwell in this land, God says to Yitzchak, ve'yeimacha, and I will be with you, va'avarachecha, and I will bless you, kilecha uzarcha, atinet kol ha'atzot ha'el, etc. And you have everything here, v'akimot yitashvoy. This is, I will keep the oath that I made to Avram for blessedness, for ribuizera, for land, and all this, so to speak, will happen to you, Yitzchak, if you stay here now. And why? Well, take a look in Pasuk Hay, if we look at Pasuk Hay, Ekev asher shama Avraham bekoli, because God listened to my voice, vayishmar, because Avraham listened to my voice, Ekev asher shama Avraham bekoli, vayishmar mishmarti mitzvotaychu kohevetotay, and he kept my commandments. To put this all together, the picture here is that God says to Yitzchak, because Avraham was willing to sacrifice you, because of what Avraham did at, at the Akedah, therefore I took an oath to him. And you now stay in this land, and on some level, that oath is going to come true in your life. You will be blessed, you will be able to stay here. You do not have to leave the land because of Avram's actions at um, the Akedah. In other words, Yitzchak has, so to speak, an exemption from leaving the land. He's able to make his way through the Ra'av in the land without a problem. During that year of famine, during that year of Ra'av, what does he do? He plants... Um, and he's able to reap a harvest. He digs wells. Um, he is successful and blessed in the land. Well, everyone else around him is subject uh, to the famine. Or to put this slightly differently, um, God says to Abraham, God says, it's got Gurba Eretzazel, dwell in this land. This language is, of course, the language of Ripin Habitarim. Geri Yazaracha Ba'aretzalolam. Your children will be a stranger in a foreign land. And of course, that means Egypt. Yitzchak, in his lifetime, receives an exemption from Bit bin Habitarim, from the suffering and the struggle. And why? All because of the fact that Abraham was willing to sacrifice him at the Akedah. He has a kind of schut avot that adheres to him. And this merit of his father that adheres to him protects him from exile, it protects him from the life of struggle, and allows him to be successful in the land during the year of famine. This is what God says to him. When he says to him, stay in this land, it's because of Abraham. It's because of Abraham's actions. It's because of what Abraham did. Therefore, you have this special blessing. Therefore, you have this ptar, um, this exemption from struggle. Therefore, I will be with you because of Abraham. Now, I think we want to go back with this and try to answer the problem that we've been grappling with. I think it's not surprising that in the end of the day, Yitzchak's life parallels Abraham's life, um, or that Yitzchak emulates, uh, or even perhaps copies, in some ways, Abraham's actions. Because if we want to approach it from the point of character or psychology, well, God appears to Yitzchak 
and tells him, stay in the land and live a life and be blessed because of the merits of your forefather, because of the merits of your father, because of the merits of Abraham. So, of course, without building an in-depth psychological profile, it's understandable, perfectly understandable, that Yitzchak identifies with Abraham's way, that Yitzchak pursues Abraham's way, that Yitzchak emulates Abraham's path exactly as he's supposed to. And I think it's no surprise that his life is a kind of emulation or copy of Abraham's life. But that's on the psychological or, or character profile. I'd like to return to the literary level. Uh, the level I would like to return to the literary level, um, or perhaps, perhaps even a bit deeper, the, the philosophical or, or the metaphysical level here. The idea is, is that Yitzchak's life is blessed because of the actions of Avram. A special schut that Yitzchak has because of what Avram did at the Akedah and what he was willing to do at the Akedah in the language of um, Rashi because he is an Olat Mima. I think it's no surprise um, that the Torah emphasizes the commonality between the life of Yitzchak and the life of Avram because it helps to, to deepen and emphasize that point that what Yitzchak has is because of Schut Avot. It's what Yitzchak has is because of that connection between himself and Avraham because of what happened at the Akedah. And I think uh, on all these planes, Parakavav, chapter 26 of the Torah, is telling us something about the character, the psychology of Yitzchak, um, what it is to live in the shadow of Avraham, what it is to live in the shadow of of God telling you that what you have is because of Abraham, but even more so, it's telling us something about what it means to live in the world of Schut Avot, what it means to continue uh, the path of Abraham, um, to truly understand that what one has is because of Schut Avot, because of Abraham Avinu. And without pushing the point too much, there's obviously some sort of lesson here about what it means to live in the light of Schut Avot as Ben Abraham. That needs to be thought through a little bit, uh, perhaps some other time.